vision, mission, statement, where we talk about how we exist to live for Christ, to learn his ways so that we might love the world as he does and lead other people to him. And we've talked about live and we've talked about how we learn about Christ. And and now today we are talking about how we love other people as he does so we might lead all um, and so that we might lead all people to him. And this is the this is where we take we decided to live for Christ. We decided to learn more about him. And now how do we put that into action? And uh, the title of the message today is called Alien Encounters. And, And I because when I think about I always love how we are fascinated by having some type of interaction with people from another place or planet. And they're always, uh, they always have these round heads like this with the big eyes. Uh, that's, kind of the, that's kind of the modus operandi of the alien culture. Uh, I guess we all are going to, our eyes are getting bigger as we get even more, as we evolve. But uh, the idea is that I think is fascinating about the world when, because they don't want to say that God created the world they have other beings from other places who do things to the earth to make it what it is today. Because they understand it's really hard to justify the idea that it just spontaneously erupted into life. So life probably did come from somewhere else. And so they just believe some alien culture came and brought it. Not wanting to then answer the question, well, how did it get to them? And where did they get it from? And how did that start? Uh, just going like to brush it. So somebody brought it from some other place. Well, the reality is, is that when we follow Christ, when we are submitting our lives to God, we are receiving into us. If you were listening to this from a world's perspective, saying, okay, this is my faith. This is what I believe. I believe that there was a day in which a being who is not of this world put something into me that changed me and made me something different, giving me powers I did not have before. Does that not sound just a little bit like a science fiction movie where you've been infected by some alien race? And and so that's kind of the way the world sees it. They see it as being somewhat bizarre when we talk about the things that you and I take for granted all the time. We we have five-year-olds who go in class, oh yeah, Jesus is in my heart. And it's like, but if you took that out of context and put it somewhere else in the world, they're like, well, that's just a freaky idea. It's just a really, it's an alien idea. It's a foreign idea. It's not, it's not something that is just the norm of a natural world. And the reality is, is that that is what our love is to be like. Our love is to look like something that is different. When we interact with the world, they are supposed to go, you're not from here, are you? <laughs> you know, you're, you're not like the rest of us. Something's different about you. It's supposed to look different. That's what they did when Jesus was here. When Jesus was here, they were like, he is not like the other teachers. He's not like the other rabbis. He's not like the other leaders in the synagogue. He's something different. John the Baptist came on the scene first, and they were first, boy, this guy's really different. And, and everything he does is different, and, and it just was strange. And so they were, people were drawn to it. They wanted to hear his message. And then G, Jesus comes along, and John the Baptist says, you know, I've got to decrease. He's got to increase. I, I was just here to kind of set the stage for him. You want to talk about somebody who's from really out of this world, meet Jesus. And, and, and here he comes. And, and because he was so different and so vastly going in a different direction than they were going... They killed him. 
I mean, all he could think of is how do we get rid of him? How do we stop him from talking? How do we... And, and his followers felt like he couldn't be killed because he had this power that was so far beyond anything anybody had ever seen before. But he told them, he kept telling his followers, and you understand, I'm laying down my life. I'm going to let them kill me. It's, it's part of the plan. So they can demonstrate that I have power over death. And, and then he did. He resurrected. And so you have, in Jesus, you have somebody not who just had the ability to raise people from the dead, but he himself came back to life and then never died. If that isn't an alien encounter, there, I don't know what is. That, is. that is something that is, I've never seen, we've never seen happen ever in the history of the world before nor since. And he promises that we will see it happen again. He promises that when he returns, he's going to use the same power of resurrection that brought him back to life and bring everybody back to life. I mean, that's, that's what this whole thing we're doing and talking about and celebrating is all about. So because we have had death removed, I mean, you take death out of the equation. You, take, you remove death from all our thinking then it pretty much, if you're going to live forever and, you, and you're going to get to enjoy everything forever, and, and not only is death going to be removed, but all the sin is going to be removed, pain and difficulty and hardship and sickness and death, all that's being taken out, and we just have life forever. If you know that's what's coming, doesn't it make it easier just to love people now? Doesn't it make it easier to forgive people? And say, you know, somebody takes something that belongs to you. You're like, ah, go ahead, take it. Because I've got other stuff coming. You know, right? I mean, if I, if I know I've got, if I've got billions and billions and billions and billions of dollars and you take a quarter off the chest of drawers in my room, you know, I'm not going to, you know, thrash you to the very end because I'm thinking, I got, I got, I, why am I worried about a quarter, you know? And that's, and that's what this is about. This is about us knowing and understanding we are free to love. We are free to love. We've been liberated, changed, transformed, made new so that we can love people the way that Jesus loves us. We've been looking at this passage in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And today we're going to focus on the same set as 1 through 12, but focusing on these verses and it's 3 through 10. He says, God's will is for you to be holy, so stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his own body and live in holiness and honor, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. But we don't need to write to you about the importance of loving each other, for God himself has taught you to love one another. Indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more. Pray with me. Father, we thank you, God, for how great and amazing you are. And just pray this morning that as we focus on your word, Lord, that you will help us. Lord, we understand we didn't just, we made a commitment to live for you long ago. We some may have just made that commitment recently. We, we're still learning about your ways. But, Father, as we learn, may we understand the purpose of our learning is to put that learning into action. And that's what we call love. Love is putting our knowledge of you into action. And so, Father, I just I pray, Father, that we will love the world as you love the world, as you love us. We pray it in Jesus' name.
Amen. Well, here's just a few things from this section that we learn. And understand, as Paul's writing to the church at Thessalonica, and I told you, we mentioned this before, this is one of the first letters that Paul wrote to any of the churches. And when you're reading a letter that Paul's writing to churches, understand he's not making some treatise on a particular subject and saying, all right, let me just cover every possible way you can love people or way you can be a follower of Jesus Christ. He's dealing with issues. He's dealing with specific things that are going on in the churches that he's talking to. And so when we're, we're looking at what he's saying, you have to understand, yeah, he's speaking about these particular things, but it has a broader, broader scope as well as far as how to apply these things. And so he doesn't always say things in the right order as far as to make sense and putting a message together. So we're going to start with looking at uh, the point that verses won't go in order. I guess that's the best way to say it. But the first thing we look at is how we, the love we are to have is to be love from above. The love that you and I have is not something we get from other people here on this earth. It's not a love that we learn in, in, in humanity. It is a love that has to come from someplace other than ourselves. And when I say ourselves, I'm not just talking about me. I'm talking about all of us. It's, it's, not, it's not a love that human beings possess apart from God. It's we have to get this from God. We have to, this is love that has to be received. It has to be conveyed to us. We don't possess it on our own. The world is trying to love like the world knows how to love. And so when we we look at the world's love, you have to understand it, it, it is only as good as people can make it. And we are made in God's image, so we have a sim- there's a semblance of God's love in everybody because we're his created beings. But when we are followers of Christ, he perfects that love in us. He, he gives it to us and says, okay, now, now I want to show you what this love is supposed to look like. How it's supposed to manifest itself on a regular basis. Look at this verse in verse 9. He says, but we don't need to write to you about the importance of... Of loving each other. He says, I don't have to tell you this. You already know this. This is written in your heart. This is something that you, you know this without any, ever going to Sunday school. You know this without ever uh, going to church. Everybody knows this. So we don't have to write to you about this. You know how important it is to love each other. And Because he says, for God himself has taught you to love one another. God himself has taught you to love one another. Now, the reason why the teaching is important, and this is what we were talking about last part, is because we don't understand how God's love is to be manifested in our daily lives apart from getting that information from God. It's something he has to reveal to us. But our desire to love, our capacity to love, is something that God puts in us. That God puts in us. And, and why this is important is because when you and I go out into the world, they know what love is. They, know, they may not know how to love, but they know what love is and what it's not. I mean, they know when you don't love them and when you do love them. They know when you are... The, and, and, and beyond that, I think it's important is to understand they want to be loved. They want to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. Everybody wants to be loved. And, and so 
It should be fairly simple to go out into the world and say, I just want to love you. I just want to love you. And, and I think one of the reasons why we, we get evangelism gets so messed up or, or is so difficult is we think in terms of theological concept. We think in terms of, I've got to go through these theological principles and make sure they understand these theological principles. And if they accept all these theological principles and get it right, then they get to go to heaven. Well, that's not how it was communicated to us. We, were, we just simply share with people how much God loves them. The message of the gospel illustrates how great God's love is. And then, as we're, and then we are proof of how great God's love is. It's like we're saying, God loves you. Well, how much does he love? Well, let me show you how much he loves you. I'm going to give of myself sacrificially. I'm going to show you how much Jesus loves you. You know how Jesus, you know how much God forgives? I also forgive. You know how much God is willing to lay down his life? I'm willing to lay down my life. You know how much uh, all the, you know, we are, we just become, we, we take this love that he gives to us. And all, all he's asking us to do is, all right, I'm going to show you love. And whatever love I show you, I want you to share that with others. And that love that he's showing us is conveyed through other people. I talk to people all the time and they're like, you know, I say, what people have impacted you in life? And they'll say, oh, I had this Sunday school teacher when I was in third grade. And oh my goodness, she was amazing. She was awesome. And she did all these things. Or I had this youth leader back when I was in high school and he was amazing. He was awesome. He did these amazing things. Or, you know, my mother, she was just this incredible person and so forth. And all these different people. It's like, well, wait a do you understand that God is using those people? He, he took his love and put it into them and passed it on to you. That love, that, the source of that love was not that person. The source of that love was God. He, he gave that love. They are representations of how great his love is. And, and we, are to, we are to take that love. And so it's basically this first thing is very simple. It's just receive the love of God in order to share it with others. Receive the love of God in order to share it with others. Just he's, he's giving it to you. Take it. And then share it. And I put this little thing in parentheses because as I was writing this out, it struck me. If you don't receive a lot of love, you won't have a lot of love to share. If you don't receive a lot of love, you won't have a lot of love to share. I know people who I've tried to love and they put their arms up and keep you at arm's length. Say, I just don't want. I'm going to. Okay, I'm going to harp. I'm going to. This may step on a toe or two. Um, some people, when you get ready to visit them in the hospital or you get ready to do something for their birthday or you get ready to just hug them, they're like, I don't do anything for me. I don't want anything for my birthday. I don't want anything for Christmas. I don't want anything. I don't want anybody doing anything special for me. And you know what you're really saying when you say that is you're saying, don't love me the way you would love other people. And I don't know why we do that. I do that sometimes. I have a capacity, but I, I have a suspicion of why I do that and why other people do that. It's because we're saying, I have no intention of loving you to that degree, and I don't want to feel guilty about it. And so please do not show it to me. Then I won't feel guilty about not showing it to you because I'm, that's not going to happen. And, and, the, and the reality is, is that we do that with God. We're, we so often we're like, you know, God, I, I just, 
what I'm basically saying, I just want to live my life. I want to do my thing. I want to live it the way I want to live it. I don't want, to, I don't want you showering me with all this whatever because I'm just intending on just doing this. I just need this and I'm happy. You ever heard people say that? I, if I just had this, I'd be happy. Do you know why you're happy with just this? Because you have no intention of sharing what you have. You're just going to keep it. And that's not what God put you here for. God says, I put you here so that my love could flow through you into other people. A much better perspective to have is, God, give me everything you've got. Because these people need a lot. And when he brings needy people into your life, to see that as not, wow, I feel bad for those people. God's really blessed me, but he didn't bless them. But to say, God, give me what they need. Give me what they need so that I can pass it on to them. Because they may not even know you. But I know you. And I know that you said, if whatever I... Can you imagine... Can you imagine how your friends would feel if this scenario happened? I don't think this scenario would happen, but just imagine if this scenario happened. We get to heaven, and your friends are up there, and, and God says, Hey, uh, you know that car you needed? I was going to give it to Troy, but he wouldn't ask for it. So I wanted to give it to you through him, but he wouldn't ask for it. He had access to it the whole time. You know, you know, remember that money that you needed for whatever? I was going to give that to him, but he wouldn't ask for it the whole time. You remember that food you needed? Remember that gospel you needed to hear? Whatever, whatever the case is. Remember that healing you wanted to receive? I was going to give it to him to give to you, but he never asked for it. Now, don't, that's not, there's no theology in that whatsoever. But, but here's the idea. There is a culpability in that. And the culpability is this. That God does hold me accountable. God does hold me accountable for not loving people. Meaning, when, um, when he gives, brings me to a place and wants me to give to people his grace and his love. And I don't remember Moses. Moses was at a place and he went to Moses and said, Moses, I want to bless these people in a miraculous way. I want you just to speak to a rock. And if you'll just speak to the rock, then water's going to flow out of it. And Moses is like, sure. And so he goes, but Moses doesn't speak to the rock. He strikes the rock as he had before and produced water. He just did what he had done before and did it again. And water came out because God wanted to bless the people. So it wasn't like the people didn't get the blessing. They still got blessed. But guess what he told Moses? You're not going to the promised land now. And here's why. You had an opportunity to let my glory shine through you. They could have seen me in a way they'd never seen me before. They could have seen my power demonstrated in your life and all been blessed. And and I would have been magnified in the sight of all the people. And instead, now that moment is lost forever in front of these millions of people. And I'm not going to allow you to go into my promised land as a result of that. It seems harsh. But not when you think about it. Not when you think about Moses robbed God of glory. And that's what happens when we don't love people with God's love, with the love that he makes available. Do we rob God of glory? 
He ha- he's given us an opportunity to be that conduit of blessing, to, to share with him. And he may, yes, he may find another way to get that love to him. And he will, I believe this. He will find another way to get that love to his people if we say, no, I'm not going to be used. I don't think my, all my grace from God is dependent upon Dixon being faithful. I just believe that Dixon, if he's not faithful, is going to be robbed of, is going to rob God of glory. If I'm not faithful, I rob God of glory. So receive what God has to give and then share it. With others. In fact, ask for it because you know that God wants you to share it with other people. So we, we have this love for above, and, and then it kind of just segues into that love we love through actions. We love through actions. It has to be something that we do. Now, Paul points out specific actions. Now, this is First John 3 18 says, Let us not love with words or speech, but with our actions and truth. With our actions and truth. Love is a verb. I don't know if you've heard that before. It's a DC talk thing. But uh, the love is a verb. And, um, and it is. It's something we have to put into action. We can talk about it all day long. James says this. He says, you know, you can talk about people be warm and fed or whatever. But that doesn't make them warm. And it doesn't feed them. Just talking about it. You have to provide that. You have to do that. So the church at Thessalonica, apparently they were going through something with sexual immorality because Paul speaks to something very specific. And, and the reason why, as we look at it, it still applies today because it is something that has never gone away. And that is understanding that sexual immorality isn't a personal thing. It hurts other people. And he's, he's trying to say, you, this is not a private sin. This is a sin that affects other people and hurts other people. And so you need to just stay away from it. And this is what he says. God's will, verse 3, God's will is for you to be holy. So stay away from all sexual sin. I don't, it's not ambiguous, is it? That's not ambiguous at all. You're like, well, what about this sexual sin? No, he says from all of it. Stay away from all sexual sin. He says, then, then each of you will control his own body. Self-control is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. Meaning when we're walking within the power of God, he empowers us to be controlled by our own bodies. And he says, and, then, and live in holiness and honor. And this is why he, the contrast, he says, not in lustful passion like the pagans who do not know God and his ways. Now, we've had all types of things through the convention of people who've made mistakes sexually and so forth. And, and bab- this is not a Baptist thing. It's, it's across all Christian lines. You say, well, this guy did this. And I, maybe they were a little bit harsh in reacting. The reason why there's a harshness in reaction. The reason why it's a sobering thing for all of us, and not that grace is not to be shown, not that we're not to show grace to one another when when we fail morally, but understand that this is what contrasts us with the pagan world. The fact that we do respect one another. And when we respect other people, and we show grace to one another, and we don't demean one another through sexual immorality, then we're saying we're different and the world should see we're different. And think about it. Think about when people of the faith that are well-known fall, the world revels in it. Satan posterizes it everywhere. Puts it out all over the place. And why does he do that? Because he wants to show this is a sham. Because he's saying, see, they say they love people. But they really don't love. They love just like, their love's just like your love. It's no different than anything else. He loves to highlight that. He said, so he says, never harm, 
never harm or cheat a fellow believer in this matter by violating his wife. For the Lord avenges all such sins as we have solemnly warned you before. God has called us to live holy lives, not impure lives. Therefore, anyone who refuses to live by these rules is not disobeying human teaching, but is rejecting God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. He's saying, you're not, you're not rejecting me or rejecting... This is what people would say. They said it then, they say it now. Well, that's just his opinion. That's just his opinion. This is my little private world, and I don't care what he thinks. And he's saying, no, 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 this isn't my teaching. This is, this is God's teaching. And he's saying, if you don't follow this, then you're rejecting God. You're rejecting God. And here's just my word to you and everybody about this. This, I don't know what you've done. Just understand that right now, this moment, in this moment right now, you can have everything you've done forgiven. He can make you holy in this moment. That's the amazing part of Christ. But not for the purpose of saying, uh, you know, repenting just so you can go right. Because that's not really true repentance. Repentance is not saying, I'm just going to make me holy today. And I'll go back and be made holy again tomorrow. I'll be made holy again the next day. That's not what repentance is. Repentance is saying, okay, I'm going to choose to walk in holiness from this point forward. I'm, okay. and, And think about that. What an amazing, incredible gift that is. To be forgiven. And be able to get up and say, I'm clean. Because Satan is trying to say, you did this, and you did this, and you did this, and you did this. And you're unworthy. You're not worthy to be a part of me. And he said, no, 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 no. That's for God. says, that's forgiven. Now get up and walk in holiness. Don't go back to it. Why would you go back? Why would you jump back in that? I've made you clean so you can walk in newness. Now walk in newness of life. And he says, you know, you know that grace I just showed you in doing that? Show that grace to other people. Show that same grace to other people. So here's, here's what we do. We've said it a million times. Love others. Love others as Jesus has loved you. He's shown you grace. Show other people grace. It's a very basic concept. I do not want other people to lust after my wife. So I don't lust after other people's wives. Right? Do unto other people as you would have them do unto you. That's his golden rule. That's his teaching. Not mine. Very basic idea. That I, I have two lovely daughters. I do not want them to be the object of someone's lustful passions. I do not want people to think lewd thoughts about them. So I should not do that. And, and that's, that's just, that's what God's saying. Don't cheat other people. Don't harm other believers. Don't, don't think these thoughts. Don't be like the pagans do. Don't be like the world. Don't be like people who don't know God. Be like God. Think of women. Think of men the way Jesus would. 
I mean, don't, don't we all find safety in that? Don't we all find comfort in that? Don't we all find that when we think of Jesus, we think of him looking at us for who we are and not being drawn into lustful passions, but just simply seeing us as people and, and loving us as we are and, 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 and not having some ulterior motive and in, in having a relationship with us. That's how he wants us to interact with one another. That's what shows the power of God. And so be holy. Stay away from all sexual sin, he says. Love others as Jesus has loved you. He doesn't objectify you. He doesn't demean you. He holds you in high esteem. He values you as you. He sees the beauty of who you are, of what he can make you. And that's how he wants us to love other people. He wants us to see in other people what he can make us into. I mean, isn't that the best thing you could ever do in any of your relationships is look and not say, I hate you because you're this way, but say, I love you because of what God can do for you. And finally, we need to have a love for all. This picture was taken in Greece on the island of Kos. And if you're not familiar with the island of Kos, several years ago, uh, people were flooding in from Syria. Now, when we went there to visit Kim's family and to get kind of a sabbatical time to what well, was a sabbatical time to kind of break away from everything. And, and we were, we were, we were thrust into the situation and it wasn't that we had any politics about the Syrian refugee crisis. It was just, here we are. And there's thousands of, you know, it's funny because they were, this is how oblivious the people were at the time. They were like, there's a bunch of Iraqis that are coming into the island. Just, just avoid them. That's what we were told when we got there. Just avoid them. a bunch of Iraqi people coming in. And we were like, Iraqi people? Why are Iraqi people coming to uh, Greece? And it was just a weird thing. And then we find out, oh, wait, these are Syrian people. And then we realize, oh, my goodness, that Syrian refugee crisis we'd heard about somewhere on the news, we're in the middle of it. And there are thousands of people. And this is what was happening. They would get on rafts. They would get on rafts. They would pay thousands of dollars to get a raft. They were trying to get out of their country and they were trying to they'd get through Turkey. And the Tur- Turkish people, God bless them, would <laughs> just treat them horribly and would sell them for like $2,000 a piece. Give them a spot on a 16-foot raft and crowd 30 people onto it. They put it out into the Aegean Sea and then stick a knife in it. So the raft would deflate about halfway out and then the Greek Coast Guard... And Navy would have to rescue them. Kids died. A lot of children drowned. And those who couldn't swim or survive. And so a lot of times families would be split apart because they didn't want their kids. They saw what was happening, so the kids didn't go. So the dad would go and they would get across. And so they'd be rescued and taken over to these islands. And then they tried to make their way to Athens and then hopefully make their way through into Germany. Germany was the promised land. That was where they were all trying to get to. Well, we didn't know that when we met this girl. Kim just saw she had two kids and needed some help. That's all Kim could see. But let me ask you this question, because I, I don't know if you have any politics or involvement and think about Syrian refugees or whether we should help them, whether we shouldn't help them. Let me ask you this question, because this is, the, this is the important question. When you look at this girl, is she a Christian or is she a Muslim? Is she Christian or is she Muslim? You don't know. You don't know because you can't tell by looking. And Jesus kind of dealt with this. He said, you know, there's a guy who went out and sowed a bunch of wheat and, and somebody else went and sowed a bunch of tares. And he said, wheat and tares grew. And they said, do you want us to go out and take out all the tares? He said, nope, don't do that because you'll wind up tearing up the wheat while you're in it. 
And here's the thing about people. You don't know who they are. And even if she did have a Muslim brand on her, it doesn't mean that God isn't going to convert her and make her one of his followers at some point, be a follower of Jesus Christ. We're just to love everybody. We're just to love everybody. And so we had other plans on this particular day, but we wound up sitting with this girl and her. We never, she never, never could understand a word. She said, we finally found somebody who could translate for us to help her out. And she I still to this day don't know whether she's a Muslim or a Christian. There are many Christian people in Syria who are trying to escape persecution as there are Muslims. We did meet some Syrian Christians who told us that Syrian Christians are being targeted and slaughtered just because if they find out you're a Christian, they'll just kill you on the spot because it's, a, it's ISIS. It's the Islamic, Islamic State in Syria. That's what that stands for. And here's the thing. It doesn't matter what country somebody's from. A follower of Christ is family. Followers of Christ, these are the people we're going to spend eternity with. There will be a time when we will all speak the same language and we will all worship the same Jesus and we will all worship together for all eternity. And wow, I do not want to be the guy who said, I saw you. I just neglected you. Now, this doesn't have anything to do with who cares what the, politi- what the government does. We're not the government. We are the church. We are the body of Christ. We have a response of our own. We lead the way. When there are disasters, we're the first people there. And we should be the first people there. Feeding people and setting up shelters for people and, and comforting people. Do not get sucked in. To the ideas or mindset. Look what, look what he says. He says in verse 10. He says, indeed, you already show your love for all the believers throughout Macedonia. Those, notice he says that these people aren't people in your area. These are, these, you love everybody everywhere throughout this region. Even so, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you to love them even more to love them even more the part that breaks my heart in the body of christ today is that we are trying to find reasons not to love people we are trying to find justification for not loving people friend there is never justification for that there is never a time never a place to this is the thing if you can't forgive, Jesus says, God doesn't forgive you. And he says, if you don't have love for others, then Jesus isn't in you. Because my followers all have love in them. And so if you're struggling to love people, that's, that's, not, that's not cause for you to find a different church. or find it. It's cause for you to recognize, I need help. I need grace. God, help me to love them. You know, I've shared the story of Corrie Tim Boom repeatedly, who was in concentration camps, and 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 you know, was when she was, uh, her family was killed in concentration camps, and uh, and she was spared, and and went around speaking to different places, and the German guards who were at her prison came to her and asked for forgiveness, and she said, "I don't have that capacity to forgive." But God has that capacity. And I just simply ask him 
for the love to give to them. And he does. And he does. And here's, here's what we all need to do. We need to discover who our family of faith is. Discover who our family of faith is. Well, that means in broadening out to the world. Because that, that's, that's what motivates people to move to China. That's what motivates people to go to Thailand. That's what motivates people to go. And you say, why would you spend all this money and go to this? We got people right. Because, because they're family. And they need somebody to show them the love of Christ. And I'm not judging you for not going, but don't judge me for going. Because somebody needs to go. Somebody needs to do. We all, we all need to have this attitude of love for God's people. And we can't see who God's people are on the outside. We can't judge people. So we just have to love everybody. You are not, if you're worried you're going to get to heaven and Jesus is going to go, you are not harsh enough on those people. I am so upset with you. If you're worried about that happening, it's not going to happen. If you're worried about standing before God and God going, I really wanted you to be biased toward this particular group of people and shun them and, and be, dip, it's not happening. You know it's not happening. We all know that, right? So don't get sucked up into that argument. Today, we close with this. John 3.16 tells us to do one thing. One thing. And that's believe Jesus. Think about it. It says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. When Jesus was talking to Nicodemus, he wasn't saying, All right, here's the deal. Nicodemus, you've got to go to Sunday school for this many years and you've got to study the Bible. Nicodemus had already done all those things. He He was a faithful student of God's word, but he then said, No, 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 no. You have, God, God so loved the world, he sent his son. All you have to do is believe in his son. Believe what Jesus says. You just have to believe Jesus is who he says he is and believe what he says is true. That's it. I'm not the one telling you to love other people as he loves you. That's what Jesus says. And if you believe him, he is who he says he is, that you believe he did die on a cross, that he did rise from death, that he is the Son of God, the resurrected Christ. And you'll just simply do that. Of course I will obey him. He's God. Or you won't. And choose not to. But he says, God will give you eternal life, but only if you believe in Jesus. Pray with me. Father, we just thank you, God, so much for your love and for your grace. And Father, we need your love. Lord, I don't have the ability to love people like you love people. Lord, I need your love. And Lord, may I remember that You didn't require me to give up my son. You didn't require me to sacrifice anything for my salvation. You did all of it. And all you're asking for me, from me, is to simply believe in your son, Jesus. 
believe he is who he says he is, who he claims to be, and, and follow him. Lord, I pray that all of us either have done that or are going to do it today. But Lord, may we realize that by doing that, you erase our past. You give us, you make us holy in the present. Right now, we can be made holy no matter what we've done. And then you empower us so that we can stay holy in the future. Father, may we just simply receive this love and may we share this message and this love with others. For we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Stay with me as we have time invitation. And as we're singing, it's just simply this. If you need his love, come receive it for whatever reason. Come receive it. And if you need strength to share it, ask him for the strength. He'll give you the strength to share it. He says, you have not because you ask not. So come ask for it. And he will give whatever it is you need.